on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. It's your boy, your host, George Mackay, back again. Man, oh man, do I got somebody special. I'm geeking out a little bit right now because he is, hands down, one of my favorites. And I'm honored that he took the time out to sit down with me today. Please help me welcome none of that, none other than the one and only Austin Aries to Straight Talk Wrestling. How are you, sir? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Thanks, George. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem, dude. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, like when you shared the Geo interview, we kind of messaged back and forth and then um, we kind of set this up and it's great because I'm a big fan of GSW. From the first pay-per-view, I was hooked. Uh, I've had a few conversations with Brandon, who is kind of the man behind everything there, and he's just yeah. absolutely killing it. And one of the things we actually touched on, first question, was I asked right after Inception, when, before Catalyst came up, I had him on the show the first time, and I mm -hmm. asked him, uh, where you were at in terms of GSW. And one of the cool things he mentioned was, and even you touched on it in the Chris Van Vliet interview, that you're at a point now in your career where it's all about building the future, building the foundation of wrestling and, and helping these young guys and young ladies come up in the business. So talk yeah. to me a little bit about that. I mean, listen, as an athlete, it's, it's, it's never easy to, uh, to, to maybe accept when you're no longer in your peak prime, right? Um, but I mean, that's the case for all of us. And I've grown up a, a fan of all different sports. So, you know, what's funny is that in most pro sports, by the time you hit your 30 or 35, like you're old news or ancient, right? So, you know, I just turned 43 this year. Uh, I've been doing this now for, for 21 years. Um, you know, I've always prided myself on being able to, to, to um, be anywhere on the card, anywhere you needed me to go, you need me to, kick the night off and, and be the first match. That's cool. You know, you need me to be the popcorn match and you need me to be the main event. Um, at this point in my career, I, I'm, you know, I'm so grateful and happy for all the things I've accomplished, but um, I understand that my value is going to be um, most impactful in helping this next generation of talent um, and, and, you know, learn some of the tricks of the trade or again, this 21 years of knowledge I have. And as much as the business has changed in those 21 years, there's still some, some real basic core things and fundamental things of, of this art form that will translate that if I can help share those with the next generation um, and help them speed up that learning curve, uh, that's what I want to do. And then also uh, to, to, big, to piggyback on that, um, you know, you feed off that energy and that hunger that, that, you know, you have when you're new to this industry that maybe as you get older and you've accomplished some things you don't quite have. Um, so that re-energizes me um, and then there's always a part of me and my ego that wants to go out there and still prove I can hang with the younger kids in this next generation for as long as I can. So, you know, putting all those things together, GSW has been a great opportunity for me to do those things. Absolutely. Let's talk GSW for a minute. First match you had there, Alex Hammerstone going one-on-one -on -one for the inaugural, like to become the first GSW championship. And that yeah. match was lightning. And right after you two went to war, in comes Chris Dickinson and he wants a shot. And it's like, Jesus Christ, man, Hammerstone gets no days off. But what was it like tangling with somebody like Hammerstone who is probably going to be the future of MLW as well as GSW? Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, so I'm not sure if everyone knows, but that was my first match back in a wrestling ring in probably about 18 months. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of us didn't have much work over 2020 because of a, of a virus. Um, but you know, for me, I had even really in 19, hadn't been in the ring a lot towards the end of that. So, um, I was a little apprehensive because I knew what the expectations were. I knew the challenge that was in front of me. I mean, um, you know, Hammerstone from a physical standpoint, obviously 
is where he gets um, the, the most immediate attention because what he looks like. I mean, he's just he, he's just you know 260 of pure muscle. Um, but there's a lot more to him than just that. And he's been doing this a long time and honing his craft. And you know, he's well versed and he's a, he's he's got depth as a pro wrestler. So. I was excited for that because we hadn't had a chance to get in the ring before, but at the same time, I didn't know that, you know, um, it wasn't like I was firing all cylinders. Like I, you know, been doing this, you know, it was like my first match back. So um, if I'm being honest, it took me almost a month to really recover like fully from that match. You know, I think my body was like, Oh, we're doing this again. I thought we were done with this. Um, and, and to be fair, you know, like I stepped right back in, I didn't ease myself back in. I stepped right into a main event type of match, you know, for a championship where the expectation is going to be high and it's going to be physical and you're in there with a guy who's 265 pounds. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a test and, and he got the best of me that day and, and he makes a great champion and and uh, who knows, maybe down the road we'll get to do it again. Oh, man, down the road, I, I wouldn't mind seeing you, Hammerstone, and Geo all at a triple threat. That would just be fire, yeah. man. Yeah, well, I got, you know, I just got to focus on what's in front of me first, you know, and, and you know, Gio, you know, talk about a guy who's, um, you know, who's hungry and who's, who's just ready to break through and take that next step. And and again, I, I realize that right now, and, and, it, and it really for a lot of my career, um, especially on the independent level, I've always been a guy that people look at um, that they can use to kind of catapult themselves in one way or another to take that next step or prove that they belong at that next level. So I uh, will see if he does or not in, uh, in, in very short order here. Absolutely. And we, when I sat down with him, we talked a lot about, and I, I asked the point blank, I'm like, how do you counteract the ring IQ of an Austin Aries? I mean, when you're in there, like, like you said, it's an art form. I call it the great dance. When you have a great dance partner in there with you, it's fluidity and chemistry is, is huge. And we saw a little bit of what you and Gio one-on-one -on -one could be in that tag match with Ricky Reyes and with Super Nitro. That was three young bucks, yourself, the veteran in there, and you guys took it to another level. But what I was most excited about that tag match was the match was great, but the ending. You, Gio, just right there. Like the old school, 1980s, like stare down. I was all about it. And I was like, this is great. And I asked you, I said, how do you counteract 21 years of, of Austin Aries experience? You know when he goes in there, he's going to get in your head. He's going to do everything from a little snicker, a little smile, a little, whoa, hey, kid, you got to keep up with me. And mm -hmm. he just said, I can't let Aries get into my head. But that's not easy because, again, you're stepping in the ring with Austin Aries. He's yeah. in your head. He's already – you already renting space in Gio's head. I know this. Sure. Well, you know, he's already, you know, he's already put me on a pedestal right or wrong uh, for, for the things I've accomplished. So he's already putting pressure on himself. You know, I don't feel a lot of pressure going into this match. You know, I'm, I've, I've competed at the highest level for, for a lot of championships. So um, I don't mean any, any, any disrespect when I say that, but – when you walk out in front of 70,000 people at WrestleMania, you feel some pressure, you know, and anything else compared to that um, it, it is going to feel like, I guess, a walk in the park, but I don't mean that literally the more figurative, right? Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to psych myself out before I get out there. I'm not going to, um, you know, blow myself up by getting too hyped up before the match. Um, will he? We'll find out. You know, there's a lot of components that go into this, you know, and, and obviously I've never been, I've never been the biggest, I've never been the strongest. Um, maybe not even the fastest, um, but, you know, I rely on a lot of those other things and those intangibles um, that maybe you can't measure. And, uh, you know, and, and those are the things that I've acquired, you know, over my career by facing other veterans that had those things and picking those pieces. So at the very least, you know, again, you know, we kind of talked about it, you know, he wants to go back to school, you know, he wants to learn a little bit more. Um, so, you know, 
um, when he walks out of there without his championship title, I, I hope that he gets a, you know, feels like he got a worthwhile lesson for it. Oh, 150%. I mean, it's an education. Like, just like right now, sitting down, you, you were gracious enough to give me the time. Sitting down with you, I'm getting an education. And it's, it's great for me because being a fan of this business, you mentioned being 43. I'm 38. I got two daughters. My hairline used to be here, okay? Now it's all the way up here. <laughs> I know. I was like, why? Man, you really look young. What is that all because of your diet? I said, no, I've never been married and I have no kids. <laughs> I mean, listen, the diet helps. Don't get me wrong. It absolutely does. However... I think the uh, the no marriage and no kids is what's really, that's really the problem of youth, right? <laughs> Absolutely, but being a like I have two beautiful daughters and my wife, and uh, being a girl dad is the coolest thing. The coolest thing about that is now I've made connections with all of you guys. So if I ever want to call in the favor when they start dating, I can just DM you and say, "Hey, Austin, listen, I'll pay for your flight. Come down, crash on my couch. I just need you to intimidate some boys for me." I, you- <laughs> ex- ex- extended family of uncles you don't want to mess with, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> So talk to me about, um, before we went on, I, I said that I, I, I rewatched the Chris Van Vliet interview because I wanted to really- All of it? All of it. I did. I did. All of it. it, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I actually, it was one of my, my favorite interviews because like I said, I'm a big fan of cruiserweights um, and you and TJP, you guys kind of rank up there for some of my favorite cruiserweights of all time. And I've stated that on numerous occasions um, and to watch where you- Get yourself some heat from us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sir. well- Certain sex of the population right now. Absolutely. And, and you know what? It, it, at the end of the day, I'm a wrestling fan. I'm a fan of anybody that can go in there and put on great stories and tell great stories in that ring. And yeah, you know what? Everybody knows everything that's out there. Everybody knows what they've heard or what they've speculated on. And you touched on a lot of it in Chris Van Vliet. But before we push record, you even said, I'd like to talk about where I was then and where I am now. So here's the platform. Okay. Let's let's talk. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't want to go into it too much. I just I just was thinking to myself, just looking back at that, and um, you know, one thing I, I did towards the end of nineteen. So at the end of nineteen, I went down to Medellin, Colombia, and I had some stem cell therapy on my neck. I had some injuries I've been kind of working through, um, and then you know, through twenty twenty, obviously with with the, the the climate being what it was, with the pandemic, it, it forced a lot of us to have to take a step back, but. I really completely kind of pulled myself out of the pro wrestling bubble, um, you know, mentally, physically, um, even emotionally. And it was really the first time I had done that in my adult life. You know, I really lived in that bubble and, and really put um, maximum value on everything that happened in that bubble. Um, and so, you know, what that allowed me to do was, you know, to finally figure out who Dan was and the value that Dan had separate from Austin Aries, because there's a, a tendency, um, you know, sometimes to have those things start to bleed together. And it just, it gave me a new perspective over, you know, really professional wrestling as a whole, my, my relationship with it, um, you know. And so looking back at that Chris Van Vliet video, like, you know, I've, I've, um, I've had to learn, uh, learn about the cancel culture. I've had to learn about the social media and these things, you know, when I started out in the wrestling business, um, I don't even think MySpace existed, you know, this was 2000. So there wasn't this internet component to this. I was the performer. My job was to show up and perform. Um, other people promoted for me, you know, and, and so this has been uh, something I've been learning along the way. Um, and, and, you know, we all like to say that um, we don't care what other people think about us, you know, but we're all human and we, and, and we do have feelings and emotions. And I don't think anybody wants people to not like them. Right. 
so you know, I've had I've had uh, certain reputations that have followed me in my career. Um, you know, I think you know maybe some of it justified, uh, a lot of it not justified. I think one thing that people maybe fail to understand, and 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 it's part it's partly my fault because when I broke in, we were very protective of the wrestling business, right? Even though that even though we knew the fans knew it wasn't real, we would never give them the satisfaction of telling them. We would never wink at them. We would just never say it. We kept that veil of secrecy and that was something that was really instilled in me um so one thing I, I think that people fail to understand is i've worked really really hard for a lot of my career to make people hate me you know like as a professional i've you know put my efforts into being despised you know and um in some ways i think that trickled over into people starting to confuse the character and the actor with the human being and, and the man that is performing, right? That's not to say I'm an angel. It's not to say that I'm not passionate and emotional and I haven't said the wrong thing at the wrong time or made mistakes like the Christy Hemme situation was, it was an honest mistake on live television trying to cover up a, a colleague's mess up and trying to get some heat out of it as a bad guy to do a bad guy thing. Uh, there was no malicious intent. This wasn't something I did to her in back you know, after we were off camera, right? Um, it was improv in the moment. It was a bad decision. Um, I apologized for it. However, um, you know, that still colored me in the eyes of a lot of people. It's still something that comes up to this day. So, you know, going back to the Chris Van Vliet video, man, I had so much, <sighs> I was holding on to so much uh, during that video. And I think you watched, I just, it was just like this, you know, release and explosion. Um, I don't know if it was good or bad. Obviously, it was something I had to get out at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing is I always try to be open book and transparent. Um, I try to, you know, obviously, we all have our, our biases or we see things in a certain way, but uh, I try to own my part too, you know? And so, um, yeah, I just, I'm in a lot different place than I was then. I, I don't feel as defensive. I don't, I'm very comfortable with now who I am outside of wrestling and, and also understanding that people's opinions of me in the context of pro wrestling is theirs. That's their opinion. And, and um, it really has nothing to do with me. Um, but now I'm also gonna, you know, I think it's important now that as wrestling has transitioned um, is to be a little more open and, and maybe less guarded and less trying to be the character all the time. And that, and realizing that um, in this day and age, like they don't really want heels anymore. Like we don't really want bad guys. If anyone does something that actually offends people, then they become a target, right? And they become kind of ostracized. So, like, where is that line of, of you know, bad guys and good guys now? I'm not sure there is one. So, um, I'm not going to put the same effort into making people hate me uh, moving forward. Uh, I might make more of an effort to help people understand me. I think that might serve me better. Absolutely. And, and that's the great thing about um, becoming uh, a, a, not so much older, but becoming wiser. Like myself, uh, I look back at who I was before my daughters were born. I was uh, complete and utter buffoon in a lot of ways. You should have seen me, man. I used to wear Hawaiian shirts. I dyed yeah. my hair bleach blonde. I look horrible. Yeah. I actually look horrible. <laughs> but uh, as... Fieri or that guy's yeah exactly actually i used to people used to say i look like guy fieri a lot and that's and that was i was like yo that guy's eating at all these cool places why the hell not i love it but right. when you when you i guess become more of all of a sudden when my daughters were born i realized that i had to grow up i had to be someone that they would look up to someone that they would admire and respect and now i do everything for my kids 
Sure. I, my wife and me were tight 19 years together. I couldn't be happier. Uh, I thank her every day for taking a chance on me when I look like that. I tell you that much, but she looked past all that and she saw who I was inside. And right. that's the great thing. It's not so much about the comeback or the setback, but it's about the evolution. It's about the evolution of the person as they get, as they get older, they get wiser. So like you said, it's not about good guys versus good guys, bad guys anymore. It's about understanding who you are and, and just, Kind of self-love, if you will. Would, would you say I'm right on that? Yeah, it's all, it's, it's all internal. I think that's, that's the biggest thing that I continue to um, identify and, and make sure I'm focused on is that all of, our, all of our problems and all of our happiness, it's all internal. You know, it all starts here. It's, it's, it's nothing. It's not an external element. It's nothing that anyone else owes us. Um, but we have to put the work in. You know, we have to show up for ourselves and put the work in. And, and to be quite frank, you know, in a lot of avenues of life, we're not really giving this information, these tools, you know, an education system, not necessarily giving us these tools to be able to manage, you know, I, and I don't want to get off too much of a non-wrestling tangent, but I think a lot of these things are being outsourced, right? We have all these people having these problems and instead of giving us the tools on how to handle them ourselves, we want to outsource them to, um, you know, corporations and, and, and big pharma and all these other you know, institutions. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it is self-love. It's, it's, you know, doing, you know, taking, taking 10 minutes to meditate and gather your thoughts and calm yourself. It's, you know, for me, like breath work, you know, uh, you know, getting into Wim Hof and realizing the power of, of breath with intention. Um, and then, yeah, nurturing your body by feeding it the right things, you know, not just in your, what you eat, but what you consume, what you watch, what you listen to. These are all important things. Um, but those are all things that, that give us the power to dictate, you know, our own happiness and realize that it's, doesn't come from outside sources. Absolutely. I look at my five-year-old man and she's like the happiest kid in the world because the smallest things make her happy. And I sit there and go, man, I wish I'd go back to that age when life was simple. You didn't have to worry about bills. You didn't have to worry about the internet. You didn't have to worry about none of these stuff. You just had to be a kid and enjoy life. And in some ways, I'm still a big kid. You can see all the toys behind me. I'm still a huge big kid at heart, man. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, I think there's that balance. You know, I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with keeping a, a youthful exuberance. But I also think that we've been maybe tricked a little bit into staying kids to where now we want we want to be governed, right? Instead of maybe being able to take care of ourselves, we want people to take care of us. You know, and again, maybe there's been a concerted effort to do these things. Again, you know, how many kids know how to grow food, much less cook food? You know, I mean, g- growing food, cooking food, right? We've outsourced the most, you know, vital thing we do to a lot of times to what's the fastest, the quickest, the easiest, the cheapest source to get it, right? Um, that in and of itself just seems like an upward, uh, upside down kind of philosophy, right? So, um, yeah, you know, it's important we invest in ourselves and, and that we, we keep some of the power. And it's okay to be, like, I'm a kid, man. I'm, I'm a kid, uh, definitely. You talk about um, going back to that childhood. That's what I did. I, I sold my house in Las Vegas and I moved to Mexico, um, you know, beginning of the year. And I'm living, you know, now I'm living in a small condo a block from the beach. But my financial overhead has been completely reduced. My stress is reduced. Like I'm just enjoying life because right now what, what I learned in the last year and a half is how precious life is and how quickly it can be taken away, right? Just like this, everything can change. And, and so we want to make sure that you know, we're balancing looking ahead to the future, but also realizing all we have is right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I've been trying to enjoy the right now for as long as I can because it keep, the, the equation keeps changing and I have less and less control over how it changes. So let's focus on what I can control and enjoy the time I have. Absolutely. Murphy's law can be a killer, but if you just focus on what's right in front of you, 
That's sure. the goal and the mindset. So let me ask you this. You mentioned at the beginning of the interview that like 18 months, you hadn't stepped in the ring. Yeah. What was it about GSW other than stepping in the ring with Hammerstone? Like you said, it was the first time for you. But what was the, what was it about GSW that intrigued you towards that product? Um, well, you know, first, first of all, I had to go through a process um, with myself to decide if I wanted to keep doing this. You know, um, this isn't the type, this isn't the type of profession that you can just kind of half-ass it or, you know, especially if you get older, doing it once in a while is almost worse than if you're doing it full time. So there's a commitment to getting back into my athletic mindset. Oh, I have to be an athlete again, which means I gotta get back to training four or five times a week, you know, as opposed to maybe two or three when I kind of feel like it. You know, I gotta put my my pro athlete shoes back on and my, you know, so that was the first decision. And so once I was like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know how much I have left in me. So I want to, I want to really um, enjoy what I have left and get back at it. And so, you know, this opportunity presented itself and, and you know, I talked to Brandon and just really appreciated his perspective. You know, he's, he's got a good head and shoulders. He's got a film background. He's, he's taken us from different angles. He's not just a wrestling fan. He wanted to run a wrestling show, which is fine too. Don't get me wrong, but there was a little more, there was a little more substance here. And then just philosophically, what he was trying to accomplish with the, with the promotion, stylistically with the wrestling, fit, al fit along with, with how I view wrestling. So there was a natural fit there. And um, yeah, just talking, of, you know, and, and there was a fit as far as what he was looking for and what I could bring to the table. And, um, and, and then the cool part is he was really open to dialogue and, um, and, you know, and ideas, right? And so, uh, you know, I'm someone who likes to give my input. That's not always welcome everywhere I've been. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I've had to learn, um, but here it is, and and, and it can be uh, beneficial. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited, to, and, and I'm also at this point too where um, I'd much rather um, commit to a few places that I can actually do something and, and, and help than just kind of take random one-off bookings. You know, which which is good from a financial standpoint. But this intrigued me to do two, three, four of these shows and really build something, whether it was you know a program with a certain wrestler or just the company in general. So yeah, it's been cool. Absolutely. So I, I got to ask though, I mean, I mean, you know, I've seen you go in the ring and you could still go. I've seen these matches, the tag match, the match with Hammerstone. I, I disagree with you on that. I know you can still go. And I know you, I know there's a lot left in the tank. So if the opportunity presented itself to again, have a, a one more run in say some of the upper echelon promotions, would you consider that if the timing was correct? I'm not asking which promotion. I don't want to get into that. But if the timing was correct and the program was correct, would you consider one more run in one of the upper echelon companies? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think it really comes down to, you know, each of these different companies, whether you're talking, you know, we can name them. You know, you start from, you know, MLW, where I've been before, Ring of Honor, which obviously has a long history, um, you know, Impact Wrestling, where, you know, I left a little controversially and, and I'd probably like to go back and, and, and maybe remedy that in some people's eyes. Um, you know, New Japan is a place I've never actually wrestled, so there, there's some interest uh, to do something there. Be like, you know, some fresh matchups that maybe fans would be intrigued with. Um, you know, obviously AEW is the place that everyone wants to be right now. Um, you know, uh, and then WWE, a place I've been before. You know, all all these different places they 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 bring positives and they bring potential. You know, I don't say negatives, but you know, there's pluses and minuses to, to, to all of them. Um, from scheduling to financial to, you know, maybe what type of protocols they have right now. You know, that's something that's important to me you know, as, we're, as we're in this in this world. So, um, but yeah, I'm definitely interested because, you know, I think one thing that that time away also let me do is it let me um, appreciate this again and realize that that window closes for all of us at some point physically. 
You know, we can all, we're going to battle Father Time as, as, as best we can, but he's undefeated. And so, yeah, I still feel good. I still feel like I can contribute at a high level. I'm not ready to, uh, you know, go into some agent, you know, role or, or, you know, commentary quite yet, even though commentary is something that does interest me, you know, um, and, and conversely, I don't necessarily need to be a full-time, a full-time night in and night out guy either, right? You know, I, I think there's probably a balance in there somewhere, so. Um, yeah, everything's timing. You know, you know, right now, listen, let's be honest. The industry's been flooded with talent with all these recent releases, you know, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, that that creates um, an environment where, you know, there's there's probably more talent than there is spots, you know. So um, and, and everything just comes down to the right opportunity and the right timing. So if that opens up, um, I definitely would jump at it. Absolutely. And, and I, I love how you segue. See, we're flowing. We're flowing. We got this chemistry going on right now. I love how you segued into the releases because I wanted to ask from your perspective. I mean, um, there was obviously, you know, controversies on what had happened with the release. You had asked for it. You didn't ask for it. There was all those things. But in terms of just being announced as being released, yeah. how does that weigh on your decision do you, or weigh on your mental stability when you work so hard to get to a place or you put the effort in at that place? And then just like that, they just say, you know what, our, your, your time is done. Thank you very much. On to the next. Oh, well, I mean, no, no, nobody, nobody likes, never feels good, right? Um, you know, and everyone's situation is different. For mine, just to be perfectly clear, um, you know, I never asked for my release. That wasn't anything that was even on my mind. Um, I was called and, and told that they didn't have anything for me. Um, for me, the timing was a little curious because um, not just two days before, I had been told by the a team physician that I was being moved to the not clear to a contact list because I had a couple of herniated discs in my neck that I'd been getting cortisone shots for. And um, so I was start, starting rehab at the performance center, you know, and so the day after I started my rehab, uh, I was called and let go. Um, you know, um, that's, that, that's life, um, you know. Um, but it, it did catch me a little by surprise because I thought um, after you know having that program with Neville and, and working pretty consistently, being a little banged up, um, I was excited to have uh, you know like three four weeks off to kind of get healthy and then figure out creatively what was going to be next. But um, but you know listen, no no one likes to get that phone call. I don't care what your job is. No one likes to get a call and say, hey, uh, you know we don't have uh, we don't have any use for you anymore. Um, but you know on the on the flip side is you know. It can be liberating, liberating in a sense, um, because you know that system isn't necessarily a fit for everybody. And there's some people who are a little more, you know, who appreciate the creative uh, freedom a little more. Um, that that look at that as an opportunity to to open some other doors, you know. And that's the only thing you can do. You know, you can't you can't get upset. Business is business. They make business decisions. It, um, you know, I had to, I had to take my personal. My, my personal feelings out of it and look for a business decision. I mean, listen, at the time I was what, 38 years old, I'm under five foot 10, you know, I'm, you know, I've been injured. I had an overblown fracture, I've burned discs. Um, you know, if you're just looking at dollars and cents, it's probably not a guy you want to continue to invest in. You know, I mean, if, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing my, if I'm doing my Madden, uh, if I'm doing my Madden <laughs> franchise mode, that's guy, that's a guy that might get cut. Let's be honest. You know, if I got to, I got a 23 year old on the bench that's healthy and, and, and willing to do whatever, you know, this, this guy over here, you know, that's probably taking up a little more of my salary cap. That that's for me, I think what, I think because I've grown up such a, a fan of sports and that side of sports, the, the general managerial side, 
is that it allows me sometimes to attach and go, well, looking at it from this standpoint, it makes sense. I might not like it, but that makes sense. It's no different than when I told, you know, like I, I originally was, you know, I was one of the first ones to suggest that I dropped the title to, to, to Johnny Impact. Um, at Impact, you know, we had a call and, and, and they had told me that they wanted to keep the title on me. And I said, are you guys sure? I said, because, you know, this guy's on Survivor. We're fishing for a new TV deal. Like all things being equal, if I'm putting somebody on a poster, I'm putting John Morrison on a poster before I'm putting me on a poster. And that's just, that's just business. I, you know, it's not my personal feeling. That's my professional opinion. And I can separate those things as much as, as I think maybe there's a perception that I can't, um, I can separate these things, you know? Um, and sometimes what's you know good for you isn't always necessarily good for business. And so what you have to do is just uh, pivot, regroup, and, and figure out where your new opportunities are. I like that. Pivot, regroup, and figure out where your new opportunities are. So, you know, you took that 18 months, you healed mind, body, and soul. And, uh, you know, like I, said at the, like I said earlier on, the comeback is always greater than the setback. And yeah. I think... I think when you have the trifecta and everything's right, uh, I think the stars align. And like I said, it's been great, your run in GSW so far. And I can't pick a winner, Austin. I can't. Between you and Gio, I really can't. I can't put my money on who I see. All I know is I'm going to have my bowl of popcorn ready, and I'm going to enjoy the show. I cannot wait for that match. That's the one match I'm so focused on. I, I appreciate it, man. I'm looking forward to it, too. You know, And, you know, there's – there's not a lot to study on Geo. I mean, because he's still relatively new in his career. So, um, you know, so it's going to be hard to predict, um, but I'm going to test him in a few different ways. Um, you know, one, one thing I like to do is to see, uh, you know, what are you willing to do to win? You know, because, you know, wrestling is one aspect of it, but um, as, they, as they say, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Right. So, um, you know, it's one thing again, going not, not to go back to it again, but you know, with with the John with the Johnny Impact, um, you know, match and, and feud, it was really about all right. This guy's a great athlete. He looks the part. He you know he dresses the part. But when it, when it becomes a fight, is this guy going to punch you in the mouth? Is this guy you know when it when it becomes when it, when, it, when it's not pretty anymore and it's not wrestling? What's what's this guy going to do? And I think and I think some of that holds true for this matchup with Geo. He looks good. He obviously is in good condition. You know, he's pretty, you know, he's athletic. But when it gets dirty and grimy and you got to maybe get a little underhanded or you got to get a little dirty, is he going to be willing to do that? Because I will, because I've had to my whole career. I've had to fight and scrap and claw for everything I've, I've obtained. Nothing was ever handed to me. I never politicked for any of my positions or championship titles. I earned them. Um, you know, maybe my bedside manner wasn't always the best. Maybe I didn't make a bunch of friends along the way. Maybe I didn't always have a couple of cubes of sugar with everything that I said. Um, but, you know, I, I did what I had to do to get where I wanted to go. And we'll see if uh, Gio's going to, you know, have that same capability. Because if he doesn't, uh, he's not going to walk out of there the winner. No, he absolutely won't. And that's one of the things I said to him. I said, you got it. You got to be prepared for those levels those levels that you're those lines when when you have to figure out am i crossing this line or am i staying where i always stay and if you stay the constant like you said it's going to backfire so you've got to learn to evolve with the match but how cool is it to um sit there and look at the future and what you've seen in the young roster at gsw the future's pretty damn bright would you not agree yeah i mean 
listen, the, the one thing that, that social media and, and, you know, the internet has done is completely blown the globe wide open, right? Um, when I, when I, when I got into the wrestling business, it was, it was still a bit of a secret. You kind of had to know somebody who knew somebody, Yeah. you know, um, you couldn't Google wrestling school and get 50 results. Um, so there's definitely a lot more talent than there's ever been. There's definitely people starting earlier, um, in their, in, in their careers. So now you have guys that are, you know, 22 years old that have been doing it for seven years. You know, I didn't start till I was 22 years old. So it, it's definitely changed. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys and, and, and I'll just say this, I see a lot of, I see a lot of younger talent that are really, really skilled in their, in their uh, social media, uh, making their videos, you know, fleshing out their characters, really creating that intrigue, which I think is obviously a, a huge component of this now. Um, but they got to make sure that they're putting that same effort into, into being a good professional wrestler in the ring, right? And so, you know, and that's going to really what separates, because right now there's a big, big group of, you know, you know men and women who all want to be seen. And so you can get them, you get them in the door and you get them to buy the ticket and you get them to sit down in the seat when the bell rings. Then we find out if you're the real deal or not. Now we find out if you were, if you were just good with cuts and edits or if you can actually go in the ring, you know? And so, so that's right now, I think, you know, I, I see a little bit of that. I get intrigued by a guy, by something I see online, and then I go to watch a match and go, eh, spend a little too much time editing and not enough time doing arm drags, you know? So I think, I think, you know, there's a balance there too, but it's an exciting time because, you know, as a professional wrestler, you, you've never had more opportunity and more tools at your disposal to literally be your own show, right? You don't need a promoter to put you on a television screen to get noticed. You have everything at your disposal. So it's created a very competitive work environment, you know? And so for a, a dinosaur like me, um, you know, I'm just trying to keep up. And, and luckily for me, you know, I put enough work in, in between the ropes uh, that I think I'll always have a place in this industry, right? Absolutely. And you know what, it, it's, uh, it, it's intriguing uh, that you talk about like, when you got started, how everything was a secret, you had to kind of know somebody to know somebody to get in. But now we're, we're seeing like the, the door, the forbidden door is open. Companies are working together. 20 years ago, 21 years ago, when you started, could you have imagined all these different partnerships uh, coinciding and just building up wrestling, not individually, but together? It's crazy, right? Is I mean I've been trying to do it everywhere I've ever been, so it's you know it's, it's a different degrees of success. I've always, I've always felt it made no sense to keep dividing the pie, you know, to keep slicing the pie up, you know. Instead, instead of working, I would say let's work together and build a bigger pie, and we all get a bigger slice instead of fighting over the same pie all the time, you know. And, and that's something that going back to my Ring of Honor days, you know, it was just, it was always it seemed to make the most sense. You're not going to compete with WWE and what they do. So why not everyone else work together to create another big pie that everyone can have a nice slice from? And I think we're finally seeing that come to fruition. We're seeing the people that are in charge now um, and calling the shots, believe that philosophy and, and it's working. And, and for the wrestling fan, I mean, nothing, nothing got you more excited as a kid than inter interpromotional matches. You know, why did I love the Crockett Cup so much? Because I got to see all these tag teams from all these you know, companies and promotions I'd never really seen mix it up with all the wrestlers that I watched, you know, night in and night out. Um, so, you know, those I think always intrigue fans. So now you have this possibility of people showing up anywhere and it just keeps it fresh and exciting. And then from a, you know, from a booking standpoint, it just gives you so many more options to create, uh, you know, money matchups and things that, that are gonna work. So 
you know, I think it's a win-win for everybody. It's not always easy to keep everyone's ego in check. And, you know, someone has to win and somebody has to lose. But if we can get beyond that and see the bigger picture, uh, you know, I think there's a lot to gain from what's going on. Oh, 150%, man. I, I love I love your thought process and exactly where you're coming from from it. Uh, speaking of in-ring chemistry, like I mentioned earlier, the great dance. Everyone yeah. has that great dance partner. I mean, you've had so many great matches throughout your career. You've had so many great opponents throughout your career. But is there one opponent that you look back at and be like, that was a killer match. That was a killer program. That was a killer storyline. Like, uh, everybody has that one great opponent. So, you know, I, I, could, I could name, like, all the usual suspects. You know, a guy like, you know, Brian Danielson, you know. But, I mean, you know, there's probably 30 guys that would say that's the easiest chemistry to hack because he's just that good. Um, you know, every time I step in the ring, Samoa Joe, you know, it's, it's, it's been kind of one of those because the story tells itself. We're just kind of on that same page. Um, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go outside the, the norm and say that the stuff I did with Jimmy Jacobs back at Ring of Honor um, was so outside of what I had been doing um, creatively and what people had seen me do. And it was like the first real like storyline that wasn't about being a good wrestler that I got to sink my teeth into and do some matches like a you know dog collar match and high quit match. And, you know, and then get to work with a guy who wasn't getting over because he was the most athletic or the most dynamic, but, but he was so, he was so smart. You know, he was a, almost like a Kevin Sullivan in, in that regard. Right. Um, and so that was really, for me, like, I really loved that program and it just challenged me in a new way and it brought a different side out in me. And, 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 you know, it was actually like something I could sink my teeth into. And so that's why I, I always look back and, and cause I think it's something that I, you know, maybe it's a little underrated cause it, you know, it wasn't the four-star match cause that's not what it was about. Right. Um, it was, it was, we're trying to elicit a different emotion, uh, using different tactics. Um, but yeah, and I just talked and I just talked to, to, to Jimmy a couple of days ago. So that was kind of fresh on my mind. So, um, yeah, that's one for, for sure, you know, but you know, Bobby Roode, you know, again, I think what you see is you know, it's kind of like this list of like pros, pros that it's like, you know, just really good dancers that, you know, you get them on the dance floor and you're always going to be able to, you know, even a bad dance is a good dance. And, uh, you know, and so, and a lot of these matches that, that, that I, you know, are ones that were never televised. You know, a lot of these, you know, live events where we have so much more leeway to, to kind of not have to get our time marks exactly and make sure we're getting the hard cam and all these things. We get to have more fun with the crowd and we get to kind of wheel and deal a little freer and, and, and that's a lot of times where the magic comes from. So, um, yeah, one of my other favorite matches, I'll just, I'll mention this. I had a match with uh, Brian Kendrick in, in Pro Wrestling Gorilla, and, and we were both heels at the time. Um, uh, and so we, we had a match where, we, where it was basically tried to outheal each other the entire match. And we did every, like, cliche heel spot you could think of from thumb to the throat to rake the eyes of the rope to choke behind the ref's back. So, you know, like everyone, you just kept doing a tit for tat back and forth and escalating it. You know, you're going to pull my hair, I'm going to pull your hair. You're going to kick me in the nuts and I kick you in the nuts, right? So the whole thing. And so finally got to the end of the match. And, you know, the pro wrestling gorilla crowd is kind of unique. Like they, there's a certain expectation of what they want to see. And, you know, not everyone of them was appreciating this, but we didn't care because we were appreciating it. And so we get to the end of the match. And Brian goes to do a leapfrog and he collapses and he grabs his knee. He says, no, 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 I hurt my knee, I hurt my knee. And I'm going, I'm not buying that bullshit. After everything you've been doing here, I'm gonna buy the bullshit, you really hurt your knee. Because what happens is I turn my back, you're gonna hit me, and then you're gonna start doing jumping jacks. And then in, in mid jumping jack, 
I collapsed and I hurt my knee. So now we're both sitting in opposite ring corners, yelling at each other. No, I really hurt my knee. You're a liar. No, you're a liar. I really hurt my knee. And we sat there for as long as we could until it got very uncomfortable, you know? And so finally the ref turned his back to the, and the ring announcer's table and going, what am I supposed to do? And the minute he turned his back, Brian pulled a chain out of his trunks and I grabbed the ROH world title because I was the ROH world champion at the time. And we charged each other behind the ref's back. We both hit each other with foreign objects. And I fell back and he fell on top of me. And that's how I launched the match. <laughs> so that's I put awesome. a in the middle of the ring while I was an ROH champion. And people say that I don't do business. Yeah. Unbelievable. You out-healed each other all the way to a heel finish. Yeah, and the crowd hated it. So like, well, we did our job. Yeah. But heels supposed to go out there and make the crowd happy? That would make no sense. (laughs) No, those are, you mentioned the Jimmy Jacobs, and that's actually where I uh, discovered you. That's where I actually discovered ROH. It was such a great time uh, for wrestling, especially for me, Uh, despite all the... um, like you heard later on, like I said, not even with you, all the backstage politics with Cornette and all that crap that was going on back then. Oh, Jim Cornette doesn't, he doesn't get himself involved in politics. He's not a politicker. I don't know where you hear those things. I heard it from his own podcast. Oh, <laughs> well, you can't take that for gospel, you know? No. Because he says it doesn't mean it's true. 150%. Um, you know what? What do you think about, uh, this is an interesting perspective. I've never actually asked this question, but what do you think about uh, the Dark Side of the Ring uh, documentaries and docuseries and all the stuff they're doing there, kind of really showcasing um, not always the bright spots of the business, the kind of hard truths coming from someone inside. What is your thought process on that? I mean, I, I've watched them and I find them interesting. You know, I think that you know, listen, that's what fans want to see. You know, one of the running jokes we used to have in TNA was we should, you know, we should get, rid of, get rid of all the writers and just show them what's happening backstage. You know, like the fans would rather know who's dating who and who, who doesn't like who. And, you know, they want to know the real side of things, right? And as much as they like the entertainment part, there's a, you know, there's a real interest in understanding what's happening behind the scenes. And, you know, I think that it's good from the respect that it, it, it gives fans, um, a little more knowledge of, of you know, uh, the things they don't see and that this isn't an easy industry and, and historically it hasn't been. And then also to show like how far we've come and, and where these, these you know, generations, you know, my generation and the generations after me have taken this, you know, and, um, you know, we just get chastised a little bit back in the day because we weren't going to the bars necessarily and, and, and chasing and at the strip clubs, you know, we're going back to play Nintendo Wii you know, and we were the nerds, right? But you know what, like, you know, at the end of the day, I think we learned from, we learned from the, the guys who came before us and we saw the difficulties they had. We saw what the drug and alcohol abuse can do. We saw what, you know, the, all these different pitfalls that this business can can give you. And so we made some different decisions, you know, and, 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 and the future generation even more so. And, you know, um, so yeah, I think it's important. I think it's important to show all the aspects. If they want to see, if they want to see the reality and what's behind the scenes, we can't just give them the, you know, give them the good stuff. You know, we got to, we got to be tr- truthful and transparent. And and you know, I'm not going to pretend I know all the details of all the different dark sides of the ring that I watched because I don't. Um, but I don't feel like they were purposely trying to trying to um, you know 
make it controversial or, or, or trying to paint it in a certain way to get ratings. You know, I think that for the most part, you know, they just tried to call it like it was, you know, and not necessarily try to sensationalize it, but just give people a real depiction of, of you know, some of the dark, dark sides of, of this business. Absolutely. Um, you know, you mentioned in the- I can't wait for mine. Mine's going to be awesome. <laughs> the call from race, dark sides of the ring, the Austin Aries story, crash to the face. <laughs> Most, yeah. You're killing me, man. You're killing me. Yeah. I love it. Uh, you mentioned the Nintendo, so that must mean you're kind of an old school gamer at heart. What's your go-to like Nintendo game? I gotta ask. Doesn't matter which system, whichever one you want. What's your go-to? Well, just back in the day, we had the Nintendo Wii. So all the all of us X Division guys would all go back and and we would do like bowling, the bowling game. We made up some like weird like horse bowling thing, you know. Um, uh, you know, I'm I've been a, mostly a sports gamer, right? That's pretty much I stay in my lane. Um, so, you know, obviously Madden is, is the big one and, um, you know, basketball and, and the baseball, it's pretty much where I stick. I don't, I don't venture too much outside of that. I actually got rid of my, my, my PlayStation a, a year ago. Uh, I just felt like, um, especially when you're kind of being locked in or whatever, it, it can suck you in. And, and, uh, I just felt like there was other things that I could be putting my time towards that would be more productive. I keep telling myself, like, just hold off on the video games till you're like 80. And then think how crazy they're going to be. And like, you'll have nothing else to do but play video games. Like right now, like there's something like, you know, like I'm not going to like go jog on the beach when I'm 80. Then, then, then I can sit around and play Madden franchise mode for 16 hours, you know. But right now, there's other important things I should be doing with my youth, you know. Absolutely. I've been trying to tell it to my daughter right now. She's 11. She's hardcore into like Fortnite and all these new games yeah. that are out now for kids. And I keep telling her, I'm like, buddy, it's super cool to do that stuff, but we got to get out. We got to do stuff. It's cool to just go for it. Oh, no. If I was 11, I'd never leave the house. I would just have my Twitch set up and I'd be, try to be a millionaire by the time I was 15. Like, I'm, you know, like I'll be on the eight ball. Like, I'm trying to learn this stuff. Like, you know, the kids are growing up with this. Like, they're so far advanced on this. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, when I got in college, we didn't have we had a computer lab that we went to, and I went on Ollie's Wrestling Resources, and it was like this website, this obscure website, Ollie's Wrestling Resources, and that's where I could find all the news about pro wrestling. But I had to go to like a actual lab in college to just to get on the internet. So, oh man, I was eleven. Now I don't know. I would just you know, uh, I would probably just sit around and have two burned corneas and but i'd you know be in the top three percent of twitch so a hundred percent um it, you know it's funny i had my my first like old old dad moment uh, i couldn't figure out something on my iphone so i called mm -hmm. it down to i'm like Cass, i can't figure this out man like it's bothering the crap out of me i don't want to google it she's like oh here dad two seconds and she just did it and i'm like go to your room like i'm so so embarrassed right now because i'm such now a i asked her about compound interest <laughs> well you know what it's funny you mentioned that because my wife and i we're old school kind of in the way we're raising her. So right yeah. now we have her, um, she does chores every week. She gets her allowance. We've taught her how to do the laundry. We've taught her how to make simple lunches for herself, like sandwiches, pack her lunch for school. We're now we're, we're letting her on the bus because where we are um, at a certain age, they can take the bus. So she ages out of the after school program. So now we're teaching her how to unlock and lock the door. And these are basic life skills that a lot of kids don't know, man. Yeah, I, I know. Very. Listen, I, you know, um, my mom asked me recently, we were talking about diet and, and having a little bit of debate about that, which tends to follow me. Um, and she said, well, if you had kids, what would you, what would you make for lunch for them and send them to, you know, send them to school with lunch? I said, if I had kids, they wouldn't be going to public school. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm homeschooling my kid. There's no way I'd send them to school. Are you kidding me? No way. They came out of that. Pro 
program to be a good consumer slave? No, nah, that's good. I, I think I can teach them just as good. I know that's not a point. She's like, well, that's not realistic. I'm like, well, I mean, it's realistic for some of us, but I just, I would have stepped further and just said, why even have kids? Like, I was, if, I, if I can't even trust the center of the school system, maybe it's better just not to have them at all, you know? I'll adopt someday. There's plenty of kids, you know, when, when I'm finally mature enough and responsible enough, I, I, you know, I'll probably be like 65 or 70. I'll be too old to have my own. So I'll just adopt a few. That's what I always figured I'd do. Nothing wrong with that. Giving somebody a good home somebody a good place to look, look forward to. Yeah. Uh, so, so speak about your diet. Like, I mean, I know you're very passionate about being vegan and that's great. I am not, but I, I'm always pro-choice. Um, what was, were you, were you always, or did you just transition the last couple of years? So, so, so two, so two things. So veganism is, is um, it's a philosophy, right? It's not a diet. It's a, it's a life philosophy, which basically means do no harm. You know, I, I may, I've made the conscious decision to try to do the absolute least amount of harm I can to other living creatures. Um, so that's really the, that's really the, and I don't really preach that, that I don't, I don't put, despite what my shirt says, my buddy just sent it to me. I'm not, it's not really in order. That's just a, but I don't really preach veganism because that's like preaching religion. I just don't believe in that. Now I am a big, huge proponent of whole food plant-based diet. Okay. Um, and that and you don't have to be vegan to eat a predominantly whole food plant-based diet. And when you start looking at research and studies, um, there's overwhelming evidence that the more you can skew towards a whole food plant-based diet, the healthier you're going to be. You're going to start eliminating a lot of these diseases and ailments and autoimmune conditions and skin conditions and all these things, right? Um, if you look at uh, the blue zones, and the blue zones are the places on earth where people live the longest, and they've done studies of these blue zones. The people there eat meat on average of four times a month. So they're not living vegan, you know, it's not, um, it, it, you know, again, vegan is an ideology, but they are reducing and greatly reduce their amount of animal products they consume. So yeah, tw uh, 21 years ago, I stopped eating animals and I started my journey to really educate myself on how to, how to, how to nourish myself. Instead of outsourcing it to corporations and fast food restaurants, um, I decided to take the power back because what I realized and what I learned and, and someone told me red meat and pork wasn't good for me. Well, I grew up in Wisconsin. That's a blasphemy, right? I mean, we wear cheese in our heads. We watch the sausages run around the baseball diamond for the seventh inning stretch for the Brewers games, right? Yeah. Like literally our basketball team is named after deers that we, you know, shoot and put out, you know, like it's just like, I, so I started looking into this. I wanted to prove this dude wrong. You know, like this guy's full of shit. And what I started realizing was like, oh, wait a minute. Like he might be onto something here. Like, oh, red meat has been linked to cancer and, and a lot of all these issues and heart disease. And okay. And then you start going in. And so that intrigued me because I just, it, it didn't make right. Like I, I never thought of it. I knew, I knew like eating like a like thing of ice cream or cake wasn't good for you. Right. But I didn't, as I started learning more, I started, I kind of this realization that the people in power and control don't give a shit about me. Like their agenda is to make me as sick as quickly as possible to then hand me over to big pharma to put me on their drugs as quickly as possible. And hopefully I'll live a life of, of being attached to that, to that tea. Um, and it wasn't just animal products, but it was the, the sugars, the fake sugars, the fake colors, red number 40, yellow number five, the preservatives that we use in foods, mostly kids' foods, right? Cereal, BHT, been linked to autism, all these things. And so I really started, you know, peeling back these layers and I got really upset because I'd been lied to my whole life. And my parents had been lied to, my grandparents were lied to. Like they weren't trying to feed me bad food, but they were trusting the people that told them that this is what diet consisted of. So 
it really just started my, my journey of, of being kind of very vigilant about what I put in my body, making sure I read ingredients labels, making sure I understand what, what the consequences are for my decisions. Some of being perfect. There's, you know, uh, you know, I, I drink alcohol on occasion, right? I, I have a cup of coffee, right? You know, it's not about being perfect. It's about being a, a, a conscious consumer. That's really what I preach, being a conscious consumer, not an unconscious consumer. Understand the choices you have in front of you. Understand what, what you know, what we eat directly impacts everything about us, right? You are what you eat, like literally, like that is true. And so when you start to inform yourself and have this information, you have these tools, you start to make better decisions and it has a great impact on your life. So, man, I just try to share that information with people who are interested. I don't care what people do with their life. I really, really believe is you, you, you live your life as you see fit, as long as you're not harming other people. It's not my job to tell you how to live. Um, but if people are interested, you know, now I'm, I'm 20 years into this and I feel like I've really benefited from these decisions I've made. I think of the amount of toxins that I have kept out of my diet by just literally things that they don't compute on my radar as food. Like, I used to love fruity pebbles, man. Oh, yeah. Right. But I grew up poor. So we didn't get fruity pebbles. We got like pebbles, of, like what's called like stones of fruit. Like, right. Like they just like changed the name of everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it, so like when I could actually have the real thing, it was like a treat. And I remember I was at, I was at catering some years back and they had little boxes of, of fruity pebbles and they had some like almond milk or something. I was like, ooh, I could have some fruity pebbles. Kind of craving fruity pebbles I haven't had in a long time. And I can't not grab the box and turn and read it and read the ingredients list. It's, it's a habit, right? And I start reading and I know what the, I'm like, sugar, you know, GMO wheat. Then I get to the colors, the fake colors, and I'm just like, and then I get to the end, BHT, and I'm just like, fuck, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it because I know what it is, and it's not worth it. And I think if more people really understood what it was, they'd realize how not worth it it is. And it's not about the one time you have the, the, the fruity pebbles, it's not about the one time you have the ice cream cone, it's not about the one time you have the steak but this is what we've been taught to be our lifestyle. Every meal, every day, some type of animal product. Well, that's, that's inflammatory to the body. And you have a four to five hour inflammation response that your body has every time you eat an animal product. And I don't care if it's lean chicken or fish, or if it's a steak, or if it's dairy, there's an inflammatory response that your body has. And that lasts four to five hours. Well, if you eat every three to four hours and every meal you have some type of meat, dairy, or eggs, what happens is you begin to live your life in a chronic state of inflammation. Well, where does disease come from? Well, disease comes from when you're in a chronic state of inflammation. Right. I don't believe we catch viruses the way that we completely believe that, you know, there's something called the germ theory. There's something called terrain theory. There's a lot of viruses and germs and bacteria and stuff all around us. But what are, what type of environment we have inside is going to dictate how, how bad that becomes, right? Viruses can't become diseases if, if they don't have an uh, environment that supports them to grow and thrive. But if you live in a constant state of inflammation, you're creating an environment to allow these things to grow and thrive and become disease. We don't get disease overnight. We work hard at that a little bit each and every day. We buy to accumulate these things and eventually it's gonna rear its head into a disease, right? Um, I think there's a concerted effort to keep people stupid to this. I think if you look at what's going on right now, I don't wanna get too controversial, but it seems like they want to outsource the human immune system to big pharmaceutical companies. And that's wrong. 
our immune system is ours and it's miraculous that we treat it right and we do the right things for the vast majority of us it's going to be efficient in, in fighting off any type of disease and ailment what we have right now unfortunately in our globe is we have a lot of people who aren't healthy even the people that they call fit and healthy if you really start to look at the things they're eating and the lifestyle they're living whether it's you know energy drinks or whatever it might be we're really not healthy We've been fooled into thinking what health is. A lot of people, I eat pretty healthy and I look what they eat. I'm like, you eat fucking terrible. You just have no idea that this is that bad because you've been told it's pretty healthy. You've been told I eat low fat yogurt, it's pretty healthy. It depends on on what statistics you're grabbing and what you think health is, right? So right now we have a virus that if you look at statistically, no matter whose statistics you want to believe or not believe, statistically is affecting predominantly people who are very, very old, which is how sickness always works or people who are already sick. I mean, an estimate is about two and a half underlying chronic health conditions for the average person who's dying of COVID, right? So we're talking about people who are old or very sick. And that doesn't mean that it's not affecting people who are outside those, those, there's always outliers. My grandpa's 96, he drinks Southern Comfort, he smokes cigars, he chocolate covered cherries. He doesn't get the flu vaccine and he's 96, we can always find the outliers. But statistically, it's people who are chronically ill. So then, so then I flip the question to, well, why do we have so many people who are chronically sick? Whose advice have we been listening to? Whose health have we been listening to? Whose experts have we been listening to? What television stations have we been listening to? What doctors have been in the World Health Organization, the CDC, while 500,000 people die of heart disease in, in the United States? Why are we listening to the same very people that have led us down the road of sickness and disease and now believing that they have the cure? I don't personally buy it because nothing makes sense. Why would I listen to the people that have been lying to me my whole life that don't want to tell me about meditation? They don't want to tell me about breath work. They don't want to tell me about getting in the sun and vitamin D. They don't want to tell me about human touch. They don't want to tell me about all these things that naturally boost my immunity. They want me to live in fear. And the only thing that's going to work is their solution that they're not liable for if there's any bad side effects. And that don't jive for me, dude. I believe in choice. I believe in ultimate free choice. But right now, none of this passes the smell test. And the only thing that they're using to convince people is fear and segregation. Again, that don't feel right. And it shouldn't feel right, no matter what you believe. But unfortunately, a lot of people are colored by their politics is what I've come to find in the last year and a half. And I'm not trying to get off on too many rants here, but I think we could all do ourselves a bit of good to realize that politics is pro wrestling. You got your good guy, you got your bad guy, but after they're done fighting each other, fake fighting each other, they go back and they get paid by the same person. That's an illusion, right? That's theater, that's entertainment to keep people fighting over John Cena or Roman Reigns, forgetting that Vince McMahon's paying them both. So when you, real, when, you, when you wonder why there's no real change, it's because there's not meant to be change, right? It's meant to massage us in the directions we want by keeping us divided and keeping us not really seeing the real problems and the real solutions, but keeping us infighting and blaming each other for everything that's going wrong. It's not, it's not each other. It's not you, it's not me. It's not the person that doesn't want to wear the mask or the person that wears two masks. That's not the problem, right? Uh, so anyway, Sorry for that little tangent. Oh, you're okay. Listen, this is but, uh, this is what we are on Straight Talk. But, but that's that's how I feel, man. So 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 for me, 
no matter what you think about what's happening right now, no matter what side you fall on, or for some of us, we don't fall on either side. We see it somewhere in the middle because we believe that there's a lot of gray in black and white. No matter what you believe, nobody right now can argue that boosting our own natural immune systems is paramount. And that all starts with what we consume, what we eat, what we watch, right? What we listen to. Um, and don't let anyone convince you that you don't have that authority and power. You absolutely do. You just have to have the education. You have to make it important, make it, make it something that's a priority to you, educate yourself. And once you have the education, the tools to make good decisions, man, you, you'll see it's going to open up. Like once that flip switches, and this is why they spend so much money on advertising and marketing and conditioning. Because once you flip that switch and you see what's up and you realize the reality of the situation, they never get you back. They never hook you back on, 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 on their system. Once you smarten up to it and you, and you can detach from it and see it for what it is, you only go back when you decide. I only eat shit when I decide I want to eat shit, right? But I'm conscious of it, mm -hmm. you know? That's my choice. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, one, like now I see how this guy did two hours with Chris Van Vliet. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> no, it's all good, dude. I'm having a blast. Um, I gotta ask, like, if 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 you're trying to, um, you know, you're, you're craving something, what is your go-to meal? Like, what's the? And I'm not talking. I'm talking home cooked. You're in the kitchen. You're craving something. What is Austin Aries throwing that frying pan to get everything where he wants it to be? Um, I mean, there's a few things. I mean, I'm, I love pizza. I've always loved pizza. So I love making, you know, plant-based pizza. <clears throat> Again, if you, if you replace the cheese, right. And, and you make sure your crust is actually has some nutrients in it. A pizza in itself isn't necessarily bad. Tomato sauce, vegetables, you know, whatever. Um, I like to make a good lentil. Uh, I like lentil macaroni, right? Lentil pasta. So mm -hmm. I, I try to stay away from gluten. I try to stay away from a lot of wheat. Mm -hmm. So most of the pasta I get is made of chickpeas or lentils, which has more complex carbohydrates, more fiber, more protein. And then I make a good uh, cheese sauce out of cashews and nutritional yeast. So it's soaked cashews, nutritional yeast, and a little lemon juice. And, and you blend that up uh, and it makes like a, like a, a cheese sauce. And so I'll make like a, a you know, a plant-based mac and cheese that's high in protein, low in, you know, low in uh, saturated fat. Wow. And so that's a good one. Um, Trying to think what else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's really, you know, I make a lot of smoothies. Yeah, I, I put a lot of blender art up on my, and I'm actually working on like a digital, um, like smoothie kind of book for people, right? To kind of break yeah, down, like, you know, because again, um, you know, a lot of times it's easier to get, you know, we either eat for, you know, to fill ourselves up calorically or we're eating for nutrients, right? Macros and, and micros. And I focused more as I've gotten older, less on the macros and the calories and more on making sure I'm getting a lot of nutrients. And like one of the best ways to just put a bunch of nutrients in your body is with a smoothie, right? And if you have a high power blender, like a Vitamix mm -hmm. and you know, I'll put bananas and oats and frozen, like some frozen berries. I'll put frozen kale or spinach in there. I'll put some hemp seeds, you know, maybe a little bit of plant-based protein powder if I'm feeling it. Um, and just, you know, just get all that, that, those good, you know, phytonutrients and all these things in there and blend it up. And now it's like, I got a big meal. I'm able to drink it quick. It digests quicker. You know, it's a little easier on the digestion system. So, you know, I probably drink a, a, a drink, a, I drink a meal or two a day and then I eat one or two a day. And that's pretty much where I'm at, you know, big salad, uh, huge salads, right? I got this big salad bowl with a double chopper. Nice. It looks like a double salad wheel. It looks like a, like two pizza cutters on the angle. 
that you just start chopping everything. So I'll throw like yesterday I threw, you know, different greens and, you know, vegetables and stuff in there and then just start chopping the shit out of it until it was all broken down and then just made a little vinaigrette with some olive oil, some lemon juice, a little, little bit of mustard and uh, some date syrup and made like a little honey mustard and rock and roll. Awesome. I enjoy cooking, man. Like I've always enjoyed cooking. Even since I was a kid, I liked watching cooking shows. Um, you know, it's, and, and so it's fun to me. So that helps. Um, but you know, I think that like anything else, once you start, I've been helping my aunt a little bit, you know, she's in her mid seventies and she's trying to, you know, stay healthy and, and, and lose some weight and things like that. And she went from, I don't really like to cook in the kitchen. So now that she has all this information and tools and now she kind of knows what she's doing. She keeps sending me all these messages and pictures. Right? <laughs> she's getting excited now. Cause like, it's like the first time I, I remember the first time I went to the gymnasium in, in college. I haven't really been in a gym much, right? I haven't been like in a work, like a weight room much. Like in, in, in high school, they kind of, they kind of told us pitchers not to, you know, not to lift weights too much. So I knew some basics, but not a lot. On the first day I walked into the, to the big weight room at college and I was completely lost. It was like, I was defeated before I ever walked in there. Cause like I'm looking around and all these people look like they know what they're doing. And I'm kind of like meandering around and pick a couple things up. And I, and I laughed and I was like, ah, that sucked, right? But once I learned what I was doing and once I understood and had a game plan, then I loved it. And I think, and I think cooking in the kitchen is the same way, you know, again, going back to our education system, I don't know how much education we're getting on how to you know, grow or cook our own food. Right. Um, so a lot of us don't have that knowledge and tools. And, and so when to start sifting through all the, the bad information and all the bad food to get to the good stuff and then figure out what to do with it, you know, it, it takes a little bit of work, but once you acquire that skill, uh, it can be a lot of fun and it's always a lot of trial and error and trust me i've eaten some bad meals in the day sometimes you just gotta eat it i made it i gotta eat it now i know next time gotta do it a little differently that wasn't the right formula that that's so be it absolutely and my final question i mean if there's a young wrestling fan that's watching this and wants to get into the business what's the one piece of knowledge you could pass on to that young you know uh person that's thinking about hey i want to step in the squared circle i want to do this oh man i don't know if i have any you know, <laughs> rethink your decision. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think, I think the ones that always hold true and, and you'll, you'll probably hear uh, repeated is it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the big one I was, I would always hammer home to my students when I, when I taught at schools was make sure you spend enough time laying your foundation before you start worrying about building it with all the fancy amenities. You know, and I think there's a, there's a tendency now, especially that kids want to learn to hurt Karana before they know how to lock up correctly, you know, and I tell, I tell, you know, I tell kids all the time, you, you'll win someone or lose someone strictly on your lockup. You know, I've, 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 I've watched a guy come out of the curtain and go, okay, he's got a good look. He's got some whatever. And he locks up and it's like, God doesn't know what he's doing. And I can, and it, it, it takes just that one move. You know, I, I, I always say, you know, judge yourself on the worst thing you do and they're not the best. I think some guys get so enamored with the 630 <clears throat> and then when they go to break up a pin, looks like they're going to kill the mosquito. You know, every little thing we do in there matters. And it's sometimes it's the stuff in between the stuff that separates the guys who really make it and the guys who are good and the guys who are great. You know, it's never the big stuff. It's always the little stuff in between the big stuff. And when you really focus on that, focus on the creativity of dangling the carrot as opposed to how do I feed them the carrot? You know, sometimes, you know, the ring of honor style that we brought through was like carrots, here's the balance. Like mm, eat all these carrots, 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 carrots. 
And one, one of the things that helped me in, in progression was going, oh, if I can, if I put as much effort, creatively thinking about how to dangle the carrot and dance it around, then when I give them a bite, it's going to mean so much more. Plus, I can save a lot of more carrots for down the road because I want to do this for a while. And we only got so many carrots in our bag, you know, so, you know, dangle it and give them nibbles instead of feed them carrots. And again, we want to get the most out of the least, not the least out of the most. That's amazing advice. And it's a great way to end this conversation. Austin, if there's anybody out there who's not following you or doesn't know where to find you up on this wonderful world of social media, as we've uh, talked a little bit here and there about, where can they find you? If I'm not shadow banned, you can find me on Instagram at Austin Healy Aries and on Twitter, which is a real whoo, Twitter. What a real treat that place is yeah. at Austin Aries. Yes. It's for the highly intellectual at Twitter, Austin Aries. Awesome. Uh, dude, this has been such an amazing conversation. And the coolest part about this is not only can I say that I talked to you, but now I can say Austin Aries is my friend. And that's the coolest part. Of yeah, it. man. And now, now, now you can now you can use some personal reference uh before and, and making any judgments uh or anybody else making judgments on me so here we are appreciate it man are you gonna be at the show coming up you're gonna make you make you're gonna make the trip no you're wait, you're in canada aren't you yeah i'm in toronto so i will be oh you're, you're in prison bro you ain't getting yeah. out you're done yeah. they got you locked in you're in prison australia's in prison england's in prison you can't leave there unless you get the unless you get vaccinated yep i ask people and i'm leaving with this at what point do you take to the streets and stand up for what you believe in? It's coming. Believe it or not, I think it's coming all over the world. They should have been happy just leaving it a choice. Mm -hmm. And if it was really that good, and if it was really that necessary, you wouldn't have had to coerce or convince anybody or force on anybody. No one's trying to get sick. Nobody's trying to die. Nobody's trying to make anybody else sick. Nobody else is trying to make anyone else die. But when you want to start forcing shit on people, you push people, expect some pushback. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, again, dude, such a great conversation. Thank you so much. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. As always, I'm your host, your boy, George Mackay. Peace, love, and wrestling. See you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode on all available podcast platforms and hosted on Podbean. Also, check us out on YouTube at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And if you feel the need to buy some sweet merch, check us out on ProWrestlingTees.com. Leaving the scene with no trace. None in my lead. You out of place. I'm not at the top. I'm out of space. Can't eat with us. We're out of place. I'm doing fine. I'm feeling great. You're not my fan. You can't relate. Straight talk going state to state.